Hi everyone, this is Rollin Fisher, the lead pastor of Second City Church here in Chicago, Illinois, and we'd like to welcome you to our streaming service. We know that everything has been up in the air as of late, and everyone's making adjustments to the COVID situation and how to really trust God and be full of faith and respond during this time. If you haven't been able to join us over the past couple of weeks, I encourage you to go to our website, secondcitychurch.com, where you can log on and see some, and listen to some of our past prod podcasts, particularly the podcast from Pastor Jim Critcher a couple weeks ago, where he was talking about how to posture yourself in faith during this time. And then last week's message, where we began our new series called Famous Last Words, The Parables of Jesus, where we were talking about a preparedness that God wanted for every one of us, not only in this time, but also, in, most importantly, preparing for his coming. So welcome um, as we worship God together today, and uh, let's just begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for uh, your goodness towards us today. God, we thank you that regardless of the trouble that we see in the world around us, that you're an ever-present help during that time. God, we are asking that you would stretch out your hand and have mercy. Have mercy um, and forgive us our sins and also heal the land as we turn to you in repentance. God, we're asking that those who've been affected by the virus would be healed in their physical frames. Those who've been isolated, Father, would be connected and strengthened um, first to you and then also to your people. And then finally, God, we'd all go deeper in your word to know how to live even as we move through this time and live after it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today what we're going to do is we're going to continue with this series, the uh, parables of Jesus, his famous last words. And we're going to pick up right after the last parable that we talked about where we spoke about the parable of the ten virgins. Uh, today we're going to talk, and uh, if you're trying to take notes or trying to get a focus for what it is that we're discussing today, we want you to focus on this one fact that God expects a return on everything that he's entrusted to you. God expects a return on everything that he's entrusted to you. Now, this might be a strange message for the time that we find ourselves in, but the truth is, is that we'll have a temptation to want to go into our holes and develop a bunker type mentality. But what we believe is that our great God who's sovereign and in control of all that's going on around us is also one who continually develops us in our faith so that both in this time and through it, we might continue to honor him and advance his purposes as we look to him. And so if you're taking notes today, as we talk about how God expects us to a return on everything that he's entrusted to you. We're going to talk about it in three parts. We're going to talk about different measures that he gives us and the talents that he distributes. Then secondly, we're going to talk about the temptation to have hidden talents. And then finally, we're going to talk about the fact that the kingdom of God, God expects to advance, but whatever he's entrusted to us to be returned to him with interest. So we're going to talk about, again, different measures, hidden talents, and the kingdom with interest. If you have a Bible today, let's turn to Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. Now, we look at this scripture, and it's one that might or might not be familiar to you, depending on your background and where you're coming from. But let's start by talking about different measures. Whenever we look at this parable, we understand that God has given every individual. That means you. That means me. That means if you are a Christian today, or if you find yourself 
not a follower of Jesus today. That means that God has given every individual different measures of talents, otherwise known as resources, to earn and achieve for the kingdom of heaven. What we see is that after his sacrificial death on the cross to reconcile sinful humanity to God, Jesus would be the master who was resurrected and would go on a journey ascending to the right hand of the Father. Before leaving, he says he leaves his servants with talents with which to do business until he makes his promise to return. When I think about my life and the things that I've been entrusted with, I think about these talents that Jesus is making reference to here in this parable. We start by asking ourselves, what was a talent? When I think about a talent, I often think about the things that you were extolled for that we were encouraged about growing up. You might have been told that you were a good athlete, or you might have been told that you had a great intellect. You might have been told that you had artistic skill or musical ability. Often those are the things that we thought think of when we think of the word talent. But in New Testament times, a talent was a unit of money worth 6,000 drachmas. And if you understand the New Testament economy, a drachma was a common laborer's earnings for one day. And if we see 6,000 drachmas was a talent, that was equal to what we would say is 20 years worth of wages. Now, people throughout their lifetime are given different measures of opportunities and resources, even physical attributes in life. Regardless of where you begin, Jesus says that everyone has the ability to do business with what's been entrusted to them, resulting in the growth of the kingdom of God. The problem, though, is, is that especially in our times, all of us live our lives as if they're our own. And we do with it what we desire or what we want to make of it. But you see very clearly from this parable that God expects all humanity, because he's the creator of all mankind, that means you, that means me, that means everybody who's listening and watching, to be servants of his. We're called to be servants of God. And we must see that what we have in terms of intellect, resources, relationships, and opportunities are ultimately that which belongs to Jesus. And if it belongs to Jesus, then we've got to ask the question, what did he give it to me for and what am I to do with it? Each of these things are components of not your own property, but the master's property. And we are to be stewards of his property. Why? Because we will give an account for everything that he's entrusted to us. Thus, we are to use it the way the master would. Many times in society at large, people look down on those who may not have had the opportunities that they have. But if we start to look at everything as given by the master, we have no right to look down on another man, nor do we have the ability to take what he's entrusted to us for granted because we know that there are talents given to us from the Lord. This leads us to the understanding that we have temptation of what to do with our talents. And oftentimes we have the temptation to hide the talents that God's given us rather than using them in the way that he would. And the temptation will be for each of us to waste, misuse, or bury our talents rather than using them in the manner in which God's called us to. And I'd like to say that in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis, this applies to us even now. Whereas many people might think, I'm working from home now, I I have an extended vacation or break. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is that the kingdom of God is still advancing. 
and the talents with which he's entrusted you, he in intends to employ for his kingdom purposes. The parable ultimately begs this question. Does God expect anything of his people besides moralistic obedience? Does he expect anything of his people besides moralistic obedience? Whenever I first came to Jesus, that's what I thought it was all about. I'm going to stop sinning. I'm going to stop the drunkenness. I'm going to stop the sexual morality. I'm going to stop dishonoring my parents. I'm going to stop doing all of those things that we often attribute to the word sin. And if that's all that we're thinking of in our relationship with God, we will fall terribly short of what this parable is trying to teach us. He's saying more than moralistic obedience, God is calling you and I to a life that utilizes what he's entrusted to us for his kingdom purposes. The answer to that question is unequivocally yes. He does expect more than moralistic obedience. Christ is looking for a multiplication of the life of God in you to be produced in others. It was Jesus who charged his followers for all time with the Great Commission. Many of you are familiar with it, but we'll read it. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, after Jesus' death on the cross, burial, and resurrection from the dead, prior to his ascension, he was with his disciples and he said this. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, this is a great comfort and also a great charge in the midst of our present circumstances. The great comfort is, is that Jesus Christ said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And so it, though it seems that our times are out of control in the midst of our present circumstances, what we know by Jesus' own word is that his authority remains with him and that everything is subject to him. Why we look to him is because he's the great healer. Why we look to him is he's our sovereign Lord. Why we look to him is because he's the one who can actually heal our lands. But he also says this, I'm with you always as you go to make disciples of all the nations. And so as the nations are literally turned on end during this time, what is the charge of the church? Is it just to go into a bunker mentality and to find themselves living in a hole? Or is it to find creative ways to use our talents to make disciples of the nations? I would submit to you it's the latter. The charge does not change with our circumstances. As in any business venture, it is incumbent upon those employed to find creative ways to see their business succeed and grow, despite the changing environment and times in which they find themselves. You see that in many industries today. If they don't keep up with technology, then they ultimately diminish and die. In the same way, the church is being charged and thrust into a place today where we get to be creative to extend the reach of God in manners in which we may not have done it before. But now's our time. This was the message of the talent. And let me encourage you that even as not only our messages have gone online, but even some of our community groups have gone online. And we invite you, if you've been disconnected up to this point, make this your opportunity to join a community group. Many of our community groups have seen greater attendance by going virtual than they even have before meeting in person. 
So that means you can be in your pajamas and meet with God and meet with his people. Now is your time. And now is the time for the church to use the talents that he's given us. The problem, though, of really understanding how to use our talents is we're always, especially in our age, being pulled on and gripped with this idea of trying to live our best life now. We're always trying to live our hashtag best life now. Maybe you have. Maybe I secretly have too. I have not, but anyway, I'm just trying to relate with you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the thing is, is that in trying to live your best life now, it gets severely interrupted in times like these. More than that, it's a misappropriation of the talents which with you've been entrusted. Even in friendships, part of the whole challenge of social distancing is that we can't physically be around those we like and love. But even the, what we've made of our friendships in today's times has been cul-de-sac in a myopia that doesn't have anything to do with God's kingdom purposes. And I think about friendships sadly suffering the same result of waste, misuse, and being buried in temporal rather than eternal significance when I think of the words of a man like C.S. Lewis, he wrote this as a quote talking about true friendship and it's the type of friendship we want to have with one another and also express to those who, like we talked about last week, may be unprepared for both the coming of the Lord and meeting him. He said, true friends don't spend time gazing into each other's eyes. They may show great tenderness toward each other, but they face in the same direction toward common projects and goals. Above all, towards a common Lord. He went on in his book, The Four Loves, the very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question, do you see the same truth would be, I see nothing and I don't care about the truth. I only want a friend. You can hear that echoing in a, a lot of this generation's idea of relationship. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. All I want is people to love me and know me. But C.S. Lewis says, in this scenario, no real friendship can arise, though affection, of course, may. He says there would be nothing for the friendship to be about. And friendship must be about something, even if it were only an, an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. And this is the challenge that God's laying down in front of us, even in times just like this. The social distancing can in fact press us into God and then press us out to actually friendships that make an eternal impact for the kingdom of God. In times like these, it's easy to want to bury your talent because you're, number one, thinking about self-preservation. Number two, you're afraid to make a mistake with the talent that he's actually given you. And so instead of actually making efforts to put it to use, you freeze up. Or number three, you don't feel like your talent is valuable enough. You're always comparing yourself to someone else's measure of talent or some other ability that someone else has and how they're using it for the kingdom of God. 
But now's your time to overcome all of these and be released in the purposes of God. The paralysis of perfectionism must be swallowed up by an understanding of the grace of God. That when he's giving you a talent, here's your heavenly father cheering you on. Unlike any other man or woman, husband or wife, child or friend or otherwise. God Almighty says, I'm giving this to you to put to use for my kingdom purposes. Don't worry about perfectionism. Understand my grace and run with me and my purposes. We see that uh, individuals who received the five talents and received the two talents, they did that well. But unfortunately, there was one who received only one talent and instead of utilizing the talent that God had given him, buried it. And the servant who started and ended with the one talent was called by Jesus, wicked and slothful, otherwise known as lazy. He had a great ability. He had a great income. He had a great means by which to honor God and advance his purposes, but he buried it. And this thought, um, servant ultimately thought that his master was an exacting man. He did not know his master well and made excuses for his lack of productivity. Now, what we know about Jesus is he says, I'm gentle and humble of heart. And when we know him, it's a great joy to love him and serve him because he's gentle and humble of heart. The only reason this man didn't try even anything with his talent is because he didn't know the master. But this is time that we have opened up to us is a perfect time to get to know him in his word, in prayer, in fellowship, in community. And then use the talent that he's given us. What we don't want to be is like the worthless servant who buries his talents and has the consequence of being thrown out into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is imagery referring to hell and eternal damnation in the New Testament, being referenced by Jesus six times. Yes, gentle, meek, and mild Jesus, being referenced by him six times in Matthew and once in the Gospel of Luke. And if we're not going to be those who are those who bury our talents, like the one with the one talent, but instead are like the one with the five or the one with the two and give back to the master what he deserves, ultimately we'll have a mentality where we... Uh, we run after and we approach the kingdom and we give it back to him with interest. We think about the kingdom of God and giving back to him whatever he's entrusted to us with interest. And ultimately that's summarized in this thought that God expects a return on the talents that he's invested in you. Have you thought about that before? God expects a return on the talents that he's invested in you. That's what he made plain in this parable. Whether it be your intellect, your relationships, your resources, your opportunities or skill, God wants what he entrusted to you to result in the advance of the kingdom of God. That's what this parable is teaching. And no matter where you find yourself today, the beauty of God is that he's a good teacher He's a good father, and he causes our abilities to grow. In fact, he causes our faith to grow. When you look at Jesus and how he was described in the New Testament, he was described as the author and the perfecter of our faith. So what a great challenge 
this COVID-19 scenario is for us all. But in this scenario, God is trying to be both the author and the perfecter of our faith. Number one, having confidence in him. And then number two, learning how to utilize what he's entrusted in us, um, with us during even times like these. Because he says, I'm an ever-present help in times of trouble. How do I use what he's entrusted to me during times like these to advance his kingdom purposes? We can grow in our ability. And what should drive me each morning is to one day hear when I face God and I give an account of all that he's entrusted to me. I want to hear from him just like you should want to hear from him. What he said to the servant with the five talents and the two talents. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. See, Jesus never promised perfect times. He promised times of trouble that we would overcome in him. But in the midst of it, he says, as you use your talent in me, even during troubled times, meeting me, knowing I'm with you always, even in troubled times, he said the end result will be you've been faithful with a little, and during troubled times, I'm going to expand what you have. And I'm going to make you ruler over much as you're faithful in me. And he says, I want you to ultimately enter into the joy of your master. Because we approached, and not only approached, but responded to every scenario that we faced in faith. Knowing that God wanted interest on that which he deposited with us. But to do so, I'll end by saying this. That we need to let comparisons die. We need to let comparisons die. The problem with so many people even starting on this journey of actually utilizing their talents as God's intended them to be utilized, doing business with them until and occupying until he comes, is this, that we make too many comparisons. Ultimately, you are not responsible for that which someone else has been entrusted. Do you realize that? God didn't come to the man with the two talents and say, hey, why didn't you do with your talents what the man with five did? He didn't, in fact, look to the other side and say, why didn't you take from the one with the one talent and do more like he did? He said, well done with what you've done with what I've entrusted to you. Stop making comparisons. The master said, well done to the servant with the five talents as well as to the one with the two talents. What Jesus is looking for is faith and faithfulness until he makes his return. Faith and faithfulness until he makes his return, not with someone else's property, but with what he's entrusted to you. The question I should ask daily is, how will my life be used today to advance the master's kingdom purposes? How can I invest what he has entrusted to me to see Christ gain the interest of souls won, disciples made, churches planted, and the rule of heaven entering all spheres of society? 
God is taking ground each day and your aspiration as well as mine should be to be a part of what he's doing. This is what the parable of the talents is ultimately about. He went away, but he's going to make a return. And he says, I want more than what I left with you. I've given you the ability to do it. The question is, will you do it? Jesus ultimately lived a sinless life. Died on the cross as a substitute for the punishment we deserve for our rebellion toward God and rose from the dead three days later to give us the opportunity for eternal life. Though salvation is the same for all who repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus. Understand this, salvation is the same. It is clear from the parable that the rewards in eternity will be different based on what we do with what God has entrusted to us. Salvation's the same based on what Jesus did for us. Rewards are different based on how we use what he's entrusted to us. Ultimately, our appeal is this. Regardless of what's going on in our city, regardless of what's going on in our world, now is an, a divine opportunity to repent today of the sins of the wicked, slothful servant and turn today to serve the master who will ultimately not only make his return, but come with great reward. He has it for you. He has it for me. And if we would just be full of faith and faithful during this time, as well as all others, we'll hear what we want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy the reward and the joy of your master. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. And we hope you leave encouraged and full of faith. Let's go into all this world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. So in summary, everyone, we want to embrace the fact that God has given to every one of us different measures of talents, resources, to be utilized for his kingdom purposes. We do not want to fall into the temptation of hiding or burying those talents, but instead want to have a kingdom mentality of giving back everything that Jesus entrusted to us, to him, with interest. Unto that end, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And God, we are asking that you would help us to embrace and also come to our realization of all that you've invested in us as your people and also for those who don't know you, what you're calling them into through faith and repentance. God, we're asking that you would help us to not only embrace the talents you've invested in us, but to also resist the temptation to waste, misuse, or bury them. God, instead, we're asking that you would help us to really begin to see creative ways, even during this time, ways to utilize those talents for your kingdom purposes and glory, using even our time and the relationships, the friendships that we have to share the good news of Jesus, to embrace the gospel, to see your kingdom advance. God, we're asking that you would deliver us and free us from comparisons. Help us not to diminish in our own eyes 
the talents that you've given us, but instead to approach them with both faith and faithfulness so that we might see you honored as we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen.